0: Thank you for listening to the Grace Harvest Church podcast. For more information, go to graceharvestchurch.org. So we've been in a series for the last several weeks, and that series is on the book of Galatians in the New Testament. And the message, what we're calling the whole series, is good news of grace. Because there's truly no news that's as good as the news of God's grace. And today's message is believe in Jesus and receive his blessings. I know that's very simple, but it's true. Believe in Jesus and receive his blessings. Amen. You know, we've been learning in the last several weeks about God's grace for us through Jesus alone. Not because of our efforts. Not because we can present to God this list of all that we've done or didn't do and he goes, "Ah, you're the one that I've always wanted on my team." you've checked all the boxes, you're in. No, we've been learning that we are part of the family of God for one reason and one reason alone, and that's Jesus Christ. We've been learning we cannot count on our ability to keep the rules and be a good person in order to be right with God. We're called to turn away from our trust in ourselves and our inability to be good enough and to trust in Jesus Christ. This is called Grace through faith, today we're going to learn how only faith in Jesus saves us, fills us with the Holy Spirit, rescues us. And I just want to tell you, I think it's kind of funny, because I I prepared my message today with three main points and a number of sub-points, and I got to point number one in the first service, so that's where I'm going to go today to, just one, just one point. It doesn't mean it won't have multiple subpoints, but one point, okay? So first thing I want to do today is I want to define for you what faith is because I think it's really important that we understand what faith is. And I'll, I'll talk a little bit about this in a minute. But this is a, a definition from the Faith Life Study Bible Commentary. And this is what it says. Listen carefully. While the Bible's theme of faith can be understood in a variety of ways, it can be summarized as active trust and belief displayed through obedience. Faith does not suggest mere intellectual or cognitive belief in a proposition, doctrine, or even a person, though it does sometimes entail doctrinal belief and theological understanding. Faith is typically understood as involving the whole self mind, heart, and body in a relationship with God that expresses trust and grateful response to His loving initiative. Now, why is that important? It's so important that we understand faith because as I told you last week or the week before, I've lost track of what week I told you this, faith is not merely agreeing with a set of propositions or beliefs or ideas. It's not merely saying, okay, I know Jesus is the Son of God and God in the flesh. I know Jesus came and lived a sinless life. Check. I know Jesus Christ died on a Roman torture device called a cross, a crucifix, for me, and that took my sins. Check. I know that Jesus was buried in a tomb, uh, and and he did that for me, check. I know that Jesus Christ rose again from the dead bodily, check, and I believe that Jesus is the Son of God and takes my sins away, check. I've believed all those things in my head, therefore, I'm in. That's not faith. And and we've been taught to believe to often that that's faith, that just agreeing with those propositions is faith, but faith is active trust. And I shared with you just a, the little story of Blomden, the... Uh, tightrope walker who got out on a tightrope between a couple of buildings, and a crowd was gathered around, and he got on the tightrope, and he, you know, he walked across the tightrope, and he did he came back, and he did it, and, he, and then he said to the people, how many of you believe that I can do that same thing with somebody, with somebody on my shoulders? And everybody's like, yeah, yeah, do it, yeah, we believe it. And he said, who would like to volunteer? And suddenly, the crowd got real quiet because... In doing so, he demonstrated the difference between just believing God can do something and trusting that he will and putting your own self on the line. So that's trust, and that's what belief, that's what faith is in the Bible. It's you saying, I know I am unable, I don't have the power to live the way that God wants me to. His laws, his commandments are too perfect and too pure. And all of my efforts to be good ultimately are doomed to failure. And therefore, I can't trust myself, but I alone trust in Jesus Christ to rescue me from the power of sin and death and damnation. I trust Him alone. I'm not putting my faith in anyone else. And here's an interesting thing. Some people are offended by that idea. They're offended by the idea that they have to put their trust in another to rescue them. Because we live in a culture that teaches us and tells us all the time that self-sufficiency and personal pride are what life is. And that we it's up to us. We are the masters of our own destiny. And if we're going to succeed and do anything, it's offensive to embrace the idea that somebody else had to do it for us. But the gospel is built entirely in the idea That God did for you what you were unable to do for yourself. And that was the only thing that could rescue you. The gospel is built on the idea that good people don't go to heaven. Listen, let's let's just dispel the myth. Because a lot of people, you know know how it is. Come on, let's be honest. And I know I'm going to step on some toes here, but let's be honest. You go to a funeral, right? And... Everybody's talking about the person, and, and, and by the way, I'm not going to stand here right now and tell you who's in and who's out, who goes to heaven, who goes to hell, all that kind of stuff. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is this. We base whether people are right with God and are going to be at peace with Him or are going to be okay with Him upon the idea that they were a good person. Right? And of course, when people die, everybody's a good person. You ever notice that? I mean, this guy could be an axe murderer, and we'd be like, yeah, Joe, you know... Well, the thing I love about Joe is he always did what was in his heart and he always spoke his mind. Yeah, he he was an axe murderer, killed you know, several dozen people, but hey, he was a good guy. How many of you know that's typical? And, and that's what we do all the time. And we we so this is what we're saying, in effect. People get in because they're good. And I've shared this with you before. We in our minds, all of us have a balance, right? We have this these scales. And on this side of the scale is Jesus and Mother Teresa and, you know, put your own person, the person who's just a total saint to you. And on this side is Adolf Hitler and Charles Manson. and, And we feel like the gospel to us, the idea of religion to us, is the idea that as long as our balance is tilting a little bit more toward the Jesus and Mother Teresa side and not toward the Charles Manson side, we're in, right? And all of us think we're more on the Jesus and Mother Teresa side, right? And in so doing, we're betraying our understanding of the gospel. We're saying, in effect, that because we are more on this side and a little better, we're in. And, and of course, in our minds, we're always in, right? We, our, our, our motives are pure. Have you ever realized that our motives are pure, but other people's motives are always bad? Come on, let's be honest, right? Well, that wasn't my intention, yeah, but then when somebody else does something, I know you're, it was evil in your heart. You see, we're expert judgers at people's inner motives. We know what they were thinking and feeling at the moment they did it. But when we go to do it, we're like, that wasn't my motive. That wasn't my intention. See, we are in desperate, desperate need of intervention. And yet we don't often know it. We think we're pretty good. So I'm going to go to my first point here. And my first point is is that we receive all of the gifts of God, salvation, forgiveness, His love, the Holy Spirit, by believing, not by law-keeping. And I've been saying this for three weeks, but I'm going to continue to pound it home because the reality is, is we need to hear it. Look at Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. I'll be reading in the New Living Translation. Just notice what this says. It's so powerful. Galatians 3, 1 through 5. By the way, let me just remind you, when Paul wrote this, he was not only concerned, he was alarmed at the church in Galatia because that church had let false teachers come in and those false teachers had been teaching them. First of all, what happened was he had preached to this church and this had become like You know, these churches here in Asia Minor in this part of Turkey had become close to his heart. He was a part of bringing life to them in the beginning. And he begins to get reports that some Jewish teachers are coming in. And these Jewish teachers are coming in and they're saying, yeah, yeah, Jesus is the Messiah. We'll give you that. But you need to understand something. I know you're non-Jews. I know you're Gentiles. But here's what you need to understand. If you're going to be in, if you're going to be on God's team you actually need to not only believe in Jesus, but you need to, well, all you men and all your, all your children, all your male children, they need to be circumcised. And not only that, but you need to make sure that you keep the feasts. Oh, oh, yeah, that's right. Are you guys doing Sabbath on Saturday? Oh, excuse me, starting Friday night till Saturday night? And are you keeping all the Sabbath laws? Because uh, if you're not, you're not in. So these false teachers had come in and they'd taken Jesus as the baseline, but Jesus was only the baseline. Now they began to add more layers of requirements upon the people to say to them, if you're going to be saved, if you're going to be in God's family, these are the other things you have to do. And we do the same thing. You know, we may not require circumcision and feast keeping and, and all of that, but we require other things, right, within the Christian community. We say, if you're going to be a part of God's family, if you're going to be in on what is happening, you need to make sure you do these things, and we come up with lists. And we, we basically make people feel like, sometimes we do this, we make people feel like that if you don't do these things, your salvation, your walk with God, your right standing with God is in jeopardy, and you might lose it. Am I talking to anybody? Anybody? Okay, so that's my background to Galatians. Now let's look at verses 1 through 5. Notice the language, so strong. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be? Second time he's said that they're either fools or foolish. How foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? I ask you again. Does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It's because you believe the message you heard about Christ. You know, I feel like reading that text, you could almost read that text and then just take, take the microphone. I'm not using a handheld microphone, but you could just kind of go boom, mic drop and walk away because it's powerful. What Paul is saying is so powerful. And I want to I hit on some of the points he's making here. And the first thing I want you to notice is that in Paul's eyes, a spell of legalistic teaching had infected the church. A spell. The Greek language here is interesting. To Paul, these false teachers, this false teaching was like casting a spell on people or using black magic or the evil eye. The evil eye is ancient. It goes all the way back into the culture at that time. And when you look at what some scholars say, they say the language there captures the idea that it's almost as like these false teachers came in and worked black magic to deceive the people. We know they didn't, but that is he's equating false teaching to deceiving people with black magic. False teaching is fascinating. It pulls people in and away from Jesus. And we see the same thing today. I see it all the time in Christianity in North America. It's like, you know, Jesus and this. If, if, you, if you believe in Jesus, that's okay, but it needs to be Jesus and these other things. And you can come up with your own list but we know right now in the United States that many people equate political beliefs to the gospel. That's one area. Even even something as simple as who you support for president equals you're a Christian or you're not a Christian. Am I talking to anybody? You're in or you're out depending on where you stand politically. That is absolutely false. Look, it's Jesus alone. Can't add anything to him. I got anybody angry? Good. Okay. Secondly, the Holy Spirit is received, Paul says here, when we trust in Jesus crucified. When we trust in the fact that Jesus died on the cross for us and we put our faith in that, the Holy Spirit comes and invades our life. Look at what he says in verse 1, the second part of the verse, for the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made clear, was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. See, it's possible at this point in the early church that they were already beginning to do dramatic reenactments of the crucifixion. And that Paul may have... When he preached, it sounds like he's either saying, I painted for you such a clear picture of Jesus crucified with my words, or we acted it out for you. But the language he's using is a Greek word that means, it was almost like seeing a painting or a photograph. So we made the crucifixion and its purpose so clear to you that it's been displayed right in front of your faces and there should be no confusion. You shouldn't be going through embracing false teaching because we made Jesus' death so clear and we let you know that this is enough. He did enough. Can't you see it? It's clear. He says that to them. His death on the cross was like a picture And and he's saying, because of this, we receive the Holy Spirit by faith in Jesus, not by our own holiness, and I'm going to go here in a minute, listen carefully, not by our own holiness, our own efforts, our own striving, our own praying, our own fasting. Now, we're if you're new here, I just want to tell you, we're what's known as a charismatic church. And if you don't know what that means, the word charisma, Greek word, means grace, grace, grace gifts. And, and what that means is we believe that the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, is still actively at work through His church on planet earth doing miracles, healing people. God still speaks through gifts, what we call spiritual gifts, charisma gifts. In 1 Corinthians 12, gifts like, like um, faith and healing and tongues, we, we believe in speaking in tongues and the gift of tongues and interpretation. And we believe that God still, you know, heals the sick, sick people when we pray for them. And there are many other gifts, discerning of spirits. All these gifts of the Holy Spirit have been given. And we teach here a theology of what you might call second blessing theology. And here, here's the second blessing, though I, I have a tendency to just call it whenever God wants to bless you, <laughs> uh, theology. But let me explain what I mean. When a person trusts in Jesus Christ... The scripture teaches, when they put faith in him and what he did on the cross, the scripture teaches that the Holy Spirit immediately comes and regenerates them on the inside. What that means is he gives them his life. God's life comes to the inside of the person and they become a child of God. They're born anew internally. And that the scripture teaches that the Holy Spirit, the, the Spirit of God, then comes to live inside the Christian. The Bible teaches that the, the Christian, the follower of Jesus, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Are you, are you with me? Second, though, we believe that God does a second work, and it can be simultaneous to or at another time, but that second work is a work of empowering the believer. So that the believer might live out the life of Jesus as Jesus lived it out and do the works of Jesus. And so that's what some call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But when the Holy Spirit is poured upon and overflows people, that overflow leads to people doing the ministry of Jesus like Jesus did with the same attendant signs and, and, and things that come out of their life. Okay, so we also believe that God gives a second blessing. And then we we also teach that what it says in in, um, Ephesians 5.18, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that word filled is the Greek aorist tense, which means be continually filled over and over and over again. So we believe there are actually three kinds of experiences the believer can have. At new birth, the Spirit indwells them and regenerates them. They can be empowered by the Holy Spirit to do the works of Jesus, and they can be filled with the Holy Spirit over and over throughout their Christian life. So this is really important because I've noticed over the years that churches like ours have a tendency to almost make receiving the second blessing or other blessings of the Holy Spirit something that you have to really work for. It's like, okay, you just need to hold on. You need to fast. You need to seek God night and day. Hold on, hold on. Or some will say, let go, let go. It's like, which is it? Is it hold on or is it let go? Oftentimes, it's almost like, you know, if you really want the power of God in your life, purity equals power. And I'm like, well, there is a truth to that. But let's be clear. Any purity that anyone has in their life is Christ. And there's this idea almost like, you know, listen, if you really want the power of God in your life, you got to be really good. And, you know, whatever you do, Don't get into any of that immoral stuff. And again, I'm I'm not advocating that we be immoral, that we break God's laws. I'm not advocating any of that. And we'll get into the behavior side of that in the weeks ahead. We'll talk about how we are called to live because God's living out of us. That's the bottom line. But we're not there today. But the point I want you to see is that the power of the Holy Spirit doesn't come into our... See, this is what we believe almost. It's almost like right when we get saved and we trust in Jesus... God does it all. The Holy Spirit comes into our life and regenerates us and we're forgiven and we're loved and it was all because of grace and I couldn't do anything to earn it and He did it all. And then after that, it's almost like we started in the Spirit, but now it's up to human behavior. So if you're going to get full of the Holy Spirit and be a power, be a a power player for the Holy Spirit, you got to be really, really good. And if you're bad, Holy Spirit goes away. I saw somebody post just the other day on social media that they said it feels like, the post was, if it feels like the Holy Spirit has left you, ask yourself why. And I, I just had to, I, I couldn't take it. And, and I, I usually don't jump on social media, but I said, listen, that's bad theology. The Holy Spirit never leaves the believer. He comes to indwell them. The Spirit doesn't come and go and come and go when you sin. When you sin, the Spirit convicts inside, grieves inside, yearns inside, and pulls you to repentance. He doesn't leave you. God doesn't come and go just because you blow it. Can you imagine? I blow it every day. It's like, oh, there he goes. Here he comes again. You know, there he goes. God, forgive me. Here he comes again. And I mean, that's not theology that is good and sound and rooted in Scripture. The Scripture teaches when God comes to indwell you, you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And when you sin, He works within to bring you back again. He doesn't go, bye. I hate it in this house. It's so dirty. I'm out of here. Right? Okay. So, The Holy Spirit's received when we trust in Jesus, and it's not based upon our striving, our praying. And then the last thing he says here, and this is where I'm going to end. Listen to this. We are changed when we trust the Holy Spirit, not through human effort. Look at the second part of verse 3. It says, after starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Boy, come on, let's be honest. How many of you... That's been you at different times in your Christian walk. And the rest of you are liars. I'll pray for you. Right? I told the church in, in first service, I just kind of, you know, I, I wanted to jump up and put out both of my feet. That's me. Throughout my Christian walk, I've had this story at different times where I'm going along really good and I'm like, Lord, it's all your grace and I know anything good that's happening in my life is all your works and your grace through me and it's so fun to partner with you and be a part of what you're doing and then, you know, I blow it a couple of times or I don't read my Bible enough or I didn't pray long enough on a certain day and the back of my mind, this voice comes and says, basically, you're a loser, Christian. What kind of example are you? What... You, you know, God's really disappointed in you. He's really angry with you. You never do it good enough. You're ne- and then I'm like, okay, what do I need to do? I need to go on a fast. I, I'm going to spend six hours reading my Bible tomorrow. I mean, I know I'm exaggerating, but that's what we do. We then shift into human effort, and we think if I work hard enough and I'm good enough, I'll get God to come back, and I'll, everything will be good, and my conscience will be clear. And then, I don't know about you, but then I try to do that stuff, and I fail. Like, you know, I tried to fast, and... Ended up, you know, eating a piece of toast and like, (laughs) 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 condemnation, (laughs) right? That used to be my life. It doesn't happen as often anymore because I actually believe in grace. I realize that I'm loved, that I'm favored, that I'm accepted, that I'm cleansed, that I'm in, and it's all because of him, not because of me. Mm -hmm. Am I talking to anybody? See, this word, to become perfect, means to accomplish something perfectly or perform it perfectly. Paul's making the point that they started by trusting that Jesus was all they needed to rescue them from sin and make them right with God, and now they're counting on their own performance and accomplishments to be perfected for God. And he says, that is foolish. And he says, that is being bewitched. And he says, that is listening to black magic as it were. Now, think about it. Put this in perspective in your own life. Every time a voice, either of conscience, your own heart, or the accuser, but every time this voice comes in your life. Now, I'm 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 assuming you're a Christian. I'm assuming you're a follower of Jesus, that you have been born of God, that you're his, his child, right? I'm assuming that. So if you're a child of God, every time you hear that thing that says to you, You know, it feels like God's left me. God's probably left me because I've been bad, and I'm not in anymore. And I got to do all these things to get back to him. So if I, you know, if I work a little harder, if I pray a little harder, if I go to church more, if I do all these things, then God will accept me back. Every time you hear that voice, I can tell you right now, you're listening to a different spirit. It's not the spirit of God. It's not Jesus. It's not the Holy Spirit. You're being bewitched. You're listening to black magic. You're being drawn in by something that is actually evil. Paul called it for what it was. He said, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Now, I don't know about you. Do you want to be bewitched? I don't. So, now, now here's, don't, don't let this happen. Some of you are sitting there. Don't now get condemned about being Condemned. You know, yeah, that's me, gosh, I guess I really am terrible. No, that's not my point. My point is flee to the cross. Look to Jesus. Understand that all of your standing is because of him. Amen? Because you're beloved to him. Every gift, the Holy Spirit, salvation, forgiveness, it's all because of Jesus, not because of you.